Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 94 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, I am so excited for two reasons. One, I'm going to chat about a topic that I love, which is food at Walt Disney World. We're going to discuss the best meals you can get at the Walt Disney World Resort between the parks, the resorts, and Disney Springs. And the second reason I'm excited is because my special guest on this episode is none other than Lou Mangello. If you don't know Lou, he is the host of the WDW radio show, which I have personally been listening to religiously for the last 10 years. He has been the host of this show since he started it almost 15 years ago at this point. In fact, Lou's show was the first podcast I discovered and listened to when I started listening to podcasts 10 years ago. And like I said, I have listened to every episode since. I truly believe Lou has set the gold standard when it comes to Disney podcasts. Certainly someone whom I looked up to and continue to be inspired by. Of course, his episodes are not only entertaining and informative, but also just a lot of fun. And he has had some incredible guests on his podcast before. I'm talking about people like Dame Julie Andrews, Kevin Feige, Richard Sherman, the list goes on and on. And part of the reason I brought him onto this episode with me is because I wanted to talk to him about his new book, The Disney Interviews Volume 1, which of course we'll talk about in just a few minutes. But I really hope you enjoy this discussion because I certainly had a blast getting the chance to chat with Lou. Truly an amazing person and such a great and integral part of the Disney community. So I do believe you will thoroughly enjoy our conversation. Of course, at the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. Now, normally I would tell you to grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast, which I'm going to continue to tell you to do. But also because Lou is my guest on this episode, I want to encourage you to sit back, relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Imagineer podcast. My guest on the show today is someone whom I've looked up to for more than a decade as an author, podcast host, entrepreneur, speaker, and Disney fan. Lou Mangiello has set the what I think is the gold standard for Disney podcasts, including my own. His wildly popular show, WDW Radio, is not only well-known in the Disney community, but also has been named the best travel podcast, yes, in the entire travel category for nine consecutive years. Lou's audio tours, Walt Disney World trivia book, 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book, and his newest book, The Disney Interviews Volume 1, which we'll be sure to talk about, will delight and educate any Disney fan, whether you're new to the Disney community or a lifelong fanatic. His mentorship and consulting opportunities through LouMangelo.com, including his Momentum Weekend Workshop and Retreat in Walt Disney World, will help anybody turn what you love into what you do. 
Perhaps most moving of all, Lou's dream team project has helped to raise more than $350,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Lou's mantra to choose the good is one that he seems to exemplify through his own work. And as someone who has listened to his show regularly for more than a decade, I am both honored and delighted to be able to welcome Lou Mangello to Imagine Your Podcast. Lou, welcome to the show. That is like the nicest introduction ever. I'm just going to like play that over and over again. If I'm having a bad day, I'm going to play that and uh, make my thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. And and please do. If you ever if you ever need to pick me up, I'm, I'm happy to, to send you the the raw audio for you to listen back to it. Um, no, I like I said, I, I I've told this story on the show before, but I remember when I first was introduced to podcast, it was your podcast that I listened to first and discovered first back 10 years ago. And I've listened to every episode up until this point. I missed a couple over the summer. I tried to go back and binge before before today, but time got the better of me. Um, but it's amazing how popular your show is. I, I mean, you put in the work. You definitely have what I think is the gold standard of Disney podcasts and perhaps just podcasts in general. So um, just from a fan, thank you so much for for all the work you do with your show and your community. Well, Thank you for that. Uh, that that is incredibly humbling, and I am uh, I am grateful for the fact that you listen, and I love the fact that you do what you do too, man. I think you know the more podcasts, the better. Um, and I love you know when good people do good things. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a long time coming. I had wanted to start a show for years, and then. Honestly, I thought to myself, how could I possibly do a show like Lose and why even bother entering the space if I can't? But then at a certain point, I thought to myself, if I just love doing this, there's really no reason not to just go for it. And um, once I stopped comparing myself to uh, to others and just used others as inspiration, it, it ended up being a much better, much better place. So, awesome. yeah, I believe you go be you, you do your own thing. And, and that's the beauty of the medium, right? Like you don't have to choose one show or the other. You can listen to multiple ones. Absolutely. And I encourage all my listeners, and you've heard this on the show before, if you're listening to, uh, to go check out Loose Podcast, if you haven't. Um, speaking of what you've been hosting the show for, I know it's, it's going to be coming up on 15 years relatively soon. So what has been for you the most fulfilling aspect of WDW Radio? So it's people, man, it, and that's that is the honest truth. Um, it is it is about community. It is not a buzzword for me. It's something that has been at the core of what I do. Um, I would not be here, literally and figuratively, were it not for every individual person that listens and the community that they have built. Um, I like to say that that I might have sort of built the clubhouse and, and gave people a place to go, but it's the people that populate it and, and bring other good people into it. And, and I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to pay witness to, um, like you said, with things like with Make-A-Wish, the amazing things that they do together. Yeah. And shout out to any of the uh, box people or clubhouse people listening currently. Uh, it's uh it's definitely an amazing group of folks that you've that you've uh, attracted, and I think it goes back to uh, choosing the good, which is one of the things I do want to talk about. But I'm going to go out of order for my own list because you brought up the the Make a Wish Foundation, and as I mentioned in the intro, you've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars and and sponsored so many Wish Kids for uh, for Make a Wish Foundation, and I I think one of the most it, it, you know brought me to tears watching. Um, I know Lisa Denoto Glasner, who's a, a friend of mine as well, who helped raise over fifty thousand dollars in just a few weeks in in honor of your of your mom. Um, you know, I, I'm curious what I, I think I already know, but what your 
initial, you were clearly surprised, but were you, uh, were you really that surprised that that happened? And um, if you could talk a little bit about the, the Dream Team project, that would be a great plug here as well. Yeah, man. Uh, so by way of, of history, uh, when I started writing my first book in 2003, <clears throat> my dad was diagnosed with cancer and I, I drove him five days a week into Sloan Kettering in New York and I would have to walk past the pediatric cancer ward and and I knew that I wanted to help these kids any way that I can. And, and honestly, donating money to research is wonderful, but it, they never would have reaped the benefit of that. And because I was doing something about Disney, I said, I want, I want to sort of bring these kids some of that Disney magic. And, and the idea of wish granting was something that I started to do from day one. And it's been really the, the most important part of everything that I do since. Um, and again, not I, the community, the running team, everything else has raised all that money. And then when my mom passed in September, unbeknownst to me, I'm doing my live show Wednesday night. I get a knock on the door and it's my wife and Lisa DeNuro Glasner. And fortunately, you couldn't see my face. And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, and she took it, Lisa took it upon herself to um, start a fundraising campaign for Make-A-Wish um, in my mom's honor. And just in the past uh, week or two, they just surpassed uh, $60,000, which is the granting of six wishes for, for kids and families that really need it. And you want to talk about the power of community and making a real difference in people's lives. Um, that's, that's what that community has done. Yeah, it's amazing. I, my heart was racing watching the live. I can't even imagine <laughs> what it must've been like on the other end, but certainly an amazing cause. And, um, I think it's it obviously ties very closely to Disney and, and any work that you do for for Make a Wish is amazing. Um, you know, speaking about choosing the good, I know that's a a slogan, and I'd almost consider it more of a, a mission statement of of your show. Um, can you talk about the origins of that philosophy for you and uh, its impact on on your life, your work, um, anything else in in your world? So I think it's something that that I've always been and I've always felt. Um, I'm a very positive person, not just on my show and about Disney, but just in life. I think life is just too short not to be. Um, and somehow during the pandemic, um, it just sort of fell out of my mouth one day. And I said, you know, because when you approach a, a situation, including something like the pandemic, how you choose to approach it. Um, really makes a difference. And I said, look, there, there's lemonade to be made from lemons. And by seeking out the good in something, look, I don't care if it's going to dinner, going to the movies, going whatever, it might not be perfect, but I will always try and find the positive. I'll always try to part something that will make me happy about it. Um, and it just has led to a much more richer, fulfilling, positive life. And I want to sort of have that ripple effect on other people. And uh, I think literally on the show one night, I just said, well, you know, choose the good, choose to, to find the good in everything. And you might be surprised um, how it makes you and other people feel. Yeah, I am very much the same way. So it, it certainly resonates with me every time I hear it. And it's something that not word for word, but I always encourage people to um, look for optimism in life and and choose optimism and and to uh, choose happiness for that matter anything you could do to surround yourself with with goodness and um you know if it it definitely will reap benefits in return um you know i feel like it it attracts when you when you put positivity into the world it attracts positivity back in your life as well um talking about your book a little bit you put together a, a you know a Disney interviews book which having listened 
to your show, as I said, for many years. I always love listening to the guests that you bring on to the show. And I know that you've had so many amazing interviews you're proud of. I know that Julie Andrews is probably one of the ones at the top of your list. And just looking back on everything you've done so far, how does it feel knowing that as a fan, you've had the chance to speak with so many Disney legends? Well, that's it. I mean, it. I look, I, I've since day one, I've approached the show and still to this day as a fan first. And the people that I look to connect with and talk to and, and share are people that I just had this personal affinity and, and hope to speak to. Um, and then to be able to capture their stories in their own voices and then having the ability and, and responsibility of sharing that with other people has been amazing. Um, you know, even as I look back on the interviews or listen and as I was preparing the book, like a little seven-year-old, nine-year-old Luban Joe was like, you got to talk to Mary Poppins. Like that's, <laughs> you know, it did. I, I was, um, you know, as I did the interview and as soon as I was done, like I had a very emotional response to it because of what it meant to me purely as a fan first. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Um, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to speak to Julie Andrews, but those legends who I have spoken to, it's, it's uh, a very humbling moment when they say yes in the first place, and then <laughs> I, I get those, those jitters right before the the interview starts, and uh, you know, hoping I've done all my homework, I didn't screw up any of the facts or any of the questions that I have. But uh, it's, I know as a fan, it's, it's an amazing place to, to, or an amazing opportunity to be able to talk to so many people whom you admire for a lifetime, essentially. Um, so speaking about that, what is your process for interviewing, for preparing for interviews for with, doesn't have to be Julie Andrews, but, but any guest. So in my past life, before I did all this Disney stuff this way, um, I was a trial attorney. Um, so I was always, I was always very much a researcher, very sort of didactic and exacting and doing trial work. I think that sort of helped train me into learning to tell a story and then having your guest, your witness, whatever it might be, sort of lead them down the path to help tell the story that you want to be told. Obviously, it's different when you're interviewing <laughs> a Disney legend. They've got those stories. But look, I, I believe at its most basic core if somebody is going to give me the the their time, their most valuable commodity, their time and their attention, you better believe I'm going to give you the courtesy and the respect of being sure that I have done above and beyond uh, as much research as possible. Again, being a lawyer, you almost sort of know the answers before the questions. Yeah, but you're sort of helping to to lead them down that path. Um, and I think out of pure one respect for the guest respect for your listener and wanting look i always feel that i i that the listener who i consider a friend is sitting there with me you want to make sure that you ask the questions that you know or believe another listener another fan would want to know as well yeah i think uh having a a trial attorney experience is certainly helpful i think it's a little to your point a little bit of a difference tone um, and the questions you might ask. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely true. I mean, the 
you want to do your homework, you want to do your research. And it's very easy to tell when listening back to your interviews that you do your homework, you prepare to the the fullest. And I think from what I, the little I know about you, just from listening to your show, you um, have a lot of the knowledge already, but then to your point, you go above and beyond to to get even more knowledge if you can and make sure you're as prepared as you can possibly be. Um, well, and, and there's something yeah. else to it too. And, and I know you do this as well, is that, and sometimes you hear this elsewhere. And when you are preparing for an interview, you've got your list of questions, your 10, 15, 20 questions. And so often I'll hear somebody ask a question and you can tell they're not listening to the answer because they're already reading the next question when there's gold to be mined in the response that you get. So you can't be afraid to sort of get a little tangential and then potentially bring them back. So you have to be, I think, as much of a listener during the interview as you need to be, you know, and you do the same thing, being prepared for the interview before you even start. Yeah, I think there's cases. I don't think there's a single case where I've answered or asked every single question. That's either every question is on my list. I've definitely never gone in order. And there's plenty of times where I'll go off on a tangent. And uh, for those who support me on Patreon, I share my podcast notes ahead of time. I'm sure they're very confused when I look back and see the questions that I wrote down compared to the questions that I actually asked uh, or the ones that I missed or might have added in. So that's very true. Um, not to make this a full discussion of uh, just talking about your history, because I definitely want to geek out about Disney food with you. I always ask my new guests lightning round questions, but because I feel like you've been asked lightning round questions that are similar to what I would normally ask over Disney Park, favorite Disney attraction, you, you, I didn't want to ask you those plain old questions. And so I wanted to tap into what I know is your geekdom a little bit or your fandom and ask some more interesting questions. And so my first one is, if you were a Jedi, what would your lightsaber color be and why? Oh, it'd be blue without a doubt. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, well, the color of, you know, WW Radio and everything I do. And right. it's just my favorite. Yeah. So totally blue. Excellent answer. Um, if you could join the Avengers, what would be your Marvel superpower? And you can't duplicate Spider-Man. Oh, you can't <laughs> I had a feeling um, your mind would go there. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, clearly, you know, a huge Spider-Man fan. But um, so I have to pick only like one power. You can pick two. I'm, I'm not picky. Oh, they give me flight and invisibility. That's a good power combo. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually you you're told you have to pick one or the other. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I generally don't confine my, uh, or, or, you know, mandate that it has to be just one thing. Um, you can definitely squeak some extras in there. Uh, going to the parks, if you could, not your favorite attraction, if you could work at any one role as a Disney cast member for a day, what would you pick? Oh, it's a great question. Um so one of the things I, I used to do, I haven't done in a long time, was I loved giving tours um, to the of the parks, specifically Magic Kingdom, um, because while I've done books and and the audio tours, you know, that you can download it. There's nothing about like being with somebody and personalizing it to them and making it very interactive. And I love, again, like you, I, I love enhancing their experience and teaching them things that you might not be able to find in a book or on a map or anywhere else and having those watching those aha moments happen for guests and hoping that they pay that forward to the next person or family member or friend that they bring to the parks um, in the future. 
Yeah, that's a great answer. I think that probably some VIP tour guides might learn a thing or two from your knowledge as well. <laughs> it would be an easy fit for you. Um, two more. If you could take Waltz to any one attraction at Disney, what would you pick? Domestically or internationally? One for each. So internationally, um, I'm a huge fan of, of the overseas parks, specifically Tokyo Disney Sea. However, um, I think it would either because he was a pirates guy, I would probably take him to pirates in Shanghai. Oh, and yeah. just I wouldn't even watch the attraction. I would just watch his face. And domestically, wow, that's a it's an interesting question because you want to take him to something that would probably impress him, not just in terms of the utilization of technology, but the personalization of the guest experience, storytelling at its finest. Um, right now, today, it would probably be Rise of the Resistance or Flight of Passage. I think Flight of Passage, um, it can be a very emotional thing for the first time you ride it. And, and I think Walt would be blown away by that. Yeah, those are those are my top two. In fact, for uh, for that, I would pick for the domestic parks as well. And uh, I, I, when Rise of the Resistance came out, I said it was probably the first attraction in a while that Walt would turn to the Imagineers and say, "What took you so long?" Um, just to, <laughs> or how did you do that? How, how did, did you do, do the that? lightsaber thing? Yeah, <laughs> be blown definitely blown away by that. But I, I love the yeah, Flight of Passage gets me emotional every time. Uh, last lightning round question, which will transition us to food. I have a feeling based on our discussion <laughs> before we started recording, I know the answer to this, but if you could take any one food item or cuisine from your hometown in New Jersey and bring it to Walt Disney World as its own restaurant or counter service location, what would you pick? That's the best question I've ever been asked <laughs> because uh, it's the water in Florida, man. And you bring me down a good Jersey bagel with pork roll, egg and cheese on it. And I'm having breakfast there every day. It's the one thing that <laughs> I have, I think, is an advantage over Floridians over everything else is bagels. I've I've had the the I remember <laughs> I, there was one day in, in my job in Florida that that we did a breakfast rotation every Friday and someone was bringing in bagels on Friday. And I was so excited because I was I had not had a bagel in so long and it was Thomas's bagels from the grocery store and not, not to, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but that was not what I was picturing. <laughs> so awesome. Well, like I said, I could probably ask you a ton of questions about, about your show, but I know that a better thing to do would be to drive everyone listening to WDW radio. I'll put all the links in the show notes as I always do. And uh, before we we sign off officially, I'll, I'll give you a chance to plug every place you want to send the listeners. But because this was uh, an episode with you, I was thinking about something I could do beyond just a typical interview. And you've made very famous the, the top 10 style episode that I think every Disney podcaster has picked up in some form or fashion. I've certainly picked it up and done variations of top 10s. So I had to dig in to figure out what I hadn't covered yet and might be interesting to discuss with you. So my mind automatically turned to food and <laughs> thinking creatively, not just about the restaurants that are there. I wanted to do something different. So I thought about the top 10 meals at Walt Disney World. And I know that uh, apologies to Tim Foster, who usually does these top 10s with you. I don't want to steal the spotlight for him, but uh, from him, I always love when he does uh, your top 10s with you. 
But because similar to you, I always let my guests go first. Um, you know, we'll go through 10-ish meals at Walt Disney World. What's one of your favorites? So I, you know, you don't know, like, do you lead with, you know, the big one or do you save that <laughs> for the, um, so look, I'm going to lead with the obvious. And if you, you know me, man, you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, since the day it opened, uh, the Boathouse in Disney Springs has been one of, if not really my favorite restaurant overall on Disney property. There's a huge rewritability factor for, <laughs> for Boathouse just because of how large and varied the menu is. Exceptional service, the freshest food, beautiful views, like it ticks every single box. Um, and the coriander seared tuna is one of the best things I have ever put in my mouth ever. <laughs> like it is so, so consistently good there. I only wish I could go to Boathouse more. I We went there so far, so far only once, which I think is is at least 10 times too few for the number of trips I've taken and, and since it opened. I but, call it a travesty, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> But everything, everything about that restaurant is is phenomenal. The the service, the even the when the bread service came out, we were our mouths were watering. It, it was we we at on many occasions have gone to Disney Springs and considered just going for the bread. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. Um, thought we'd call ahead and request a request a bread service but uh yeah it's it's that's definitely the one i did not put on my list because i knew it would be on yours but uh it's it's one that would otherwise have definitely been on my list but i'm actually when you come, gonna, when you come down we'll go how's that oh, that's that right there is the dream to go to boathouse <laughs> with lou mangello <laughs> do it the mangello way um, I'm actually going to go across the way though, because since it opened, I have also been a huge fan of Wine Bar George, and it's I, that's a place that we have been to <clears throat> numerous times on on different trips. And again, when we go, I I try my best to try something new every time I go, because not living there, it's it's not like I could just uh, as easily as you can just drive down to Boathouse whenever I want. So I try to switch it up and and go. But Wine Bar George, we've gone to multiple times. Uh, it's for me all about the small plates there, the crispy mac and cheese bites, the chicken skewers, the house made meatballs, the burrata, um, the uh, the pork pluma. I know that they have the family style plates that are huge and you can share them, I think, with like five people or or just have it for one or two people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the big board with the cheeses and the meats. Uh, and the chocolate experience with pairings of the three wines and chocolates. I mean, I we have an experience. It's not just a meal. It's an experience. When we go, we spend the evening there. If we can refills of wine, refills of the cheese boards, like anything we can get is, is phenomenal there. So have you done brunch there yet? I haven't. Well, we're going to have to add that to our <laughs> list too. There's, there's a couple, there's a few places for brunch. I haven't been to. And, uh, and that's one of them. The other is not to jump too far ahead but california grill i've heard has phenomenal brunch i haven't gotten there and brunch or breakfast topolino um yeah is is another one but uh yeah so i think we've we've got a couple of good places on disney springs on our list but what did you uh have up on your list next well you started saying brunch and then i was going to go to another brunch place in springs but i'll wait i'll come back to that uh <laughs> you know what? all right so you mentioned topolino um topolino is another uh exceptional dining experience I, not just for breakfast but even more so for dinner uh, if you want to have like a, a very european style long 
luxurious, exceptional dinner. Uh, I will tell you, this is a body that is built on pasta. My last name <laughs> ends in a vowel. I have eaten my fair share. They have a rigatoni that has a chicken sugo, which is arguably some of the best pasta I have ever eaten. Sorry, Grandma. It was some <laughs> of the best pasta I have ever eaten. And the filet comes in at a very, very, very close second. Um, the views are spectacular. I'd put those views up against California Grill in terms of um, rooftop dining. It's beautiful there. If you could time it at sunset, have a nice long meal there. Um, it's, uh, again, it sort of checks every box um, in terms of what a really nice dinner or breakfast should be. I am, unfortunately, I have been unable to get to Topolino yet. The first time we were going to go was in February of last year, but it was near, imposs near impossible to get a reservation that week. It was during the you know, the, the New York holiday up here. And so it was packed and it just was, I, as much as I tried, couldn't get it. And then the next time we were going to go was in May and I got it. I got the, the reservation. And of course the pandemic happened, the parks closed, then got one for August, had to cancel that trip. So now we're going back in February. I'm hoping again that we'll, we'll I'll be able to get there, but I've heard nothing but amazing things about the brunch and the the, the yeah. dinner, the views. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, a little bit of meat there. I, I forgot to mention when you talked about Boathouse, a friend of mine is has a, a seafood allergy. So he typically, when we go to restaurants, will mention the seafood allergy. We did go to Boathouse knowing he had a seafood allergy. He got a steak. He said it was the best steak he's had in his life. <laughs> it's a it's a Chicago Gibson Steakhouse. So this, I would put the Boathouse steak up against any other steak on property. And Yachtsman, Shula, Topolino, I'm looking at you. It's that good. Yeah, it's I, I I had a bite of it. It, it was it was amazing. I have, if I go back, I might actually consider getting that. I'll, I'll have to get a lot of plates, but I think the, the steak will be up there. The filet sliders are amazing because it's the little steaks and it's on those delicious butter rolls, too. That oh, that's that's a power combo. That's that's a power combo. Um, I am going to jump to. So I'm going to go to a counter service because I feel like in the past, counter service locations were okay at Disney. They were certainly better than the theme park average for, for food, but they've stepped up the game tremendously in the last five to 10 years, particularly in the last three, four years. The food, the counter service food has been amazing. And since it opened, this is a place I've gone to too many times. Um, Satuli Canteen at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I it, knew it, I liked you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's become one of my favorite. I, I If people ask me my favorite quick service location, I typically will say this. But obviously, the uh, the, the the pods are uh, amazing to look at and to eat. But for me, something about the bowls is one of the best values on property. It's equivalent in quality to a lot of the the full service dining uh, restaurant food you can get, but for half the price, you know, certainly if you're in a, in a rush, you can be in and out of there, especially with mobile ordering very quickly. Uh, the, the music in there is, I, I have when I'm at home, if I'm missing Disney, I have the Pandora world of avatar album on repeat in my home, but the, 
the the bowls are I, I debate whether I like the uh, the crispy fried tofu bowl or the wood grilled chicken bowl better. Um, either way, I mean, I, I rotate between the two. Typically, my wife will get one. I get the other. So it's the best of both worlds. And you pair it off with the blueberry cream cheese mousse dessert. And I'm um, in heaven. I, I just love I love Satouli Canteen to death. I Every time someone says, where should I eat in Animal Kingdom? If I say you want counter service, it's Satouli Canteen for sure. Dude, I, I dig how you roll, man. Satouli <laughs> was very right. I think you could make an argument that Satouli may be the overall best counter service location, certainly in a theme park, possibly on property. Yeah, that's how good I think it is. Um I will um I will see your Satuli canteen and I will raise you Katsura Grill in Japan. I knew this was uh, going to be one on your list too. <laughs> <you're right. laughs> uh I make no there's no secret how much I love Japan, the culture, the food as well. And I think Katsura Grill is on the list not just for the items that are on the menu. Um, I, I love the fact they've got some sushi on there. They've got a great uh, ramen and udon. They also have a delicious, a delicious chicken um, cutlet curry, as well as uh, yuzu miso wings and okonomiyaki fries, which are amazing. But more importantly, that coupled with that beautiful tea house building and my favorite place to sit anywhere on property is just outside in the bamboo forest with the waterfall, the, the serene Japanese music. You can look out over the promenade. Um, it is, it's just gorgeous out there. And it, it is if like, if I could snap my fingers and be anywhere like instantly, that would be the first place I would go. I, I love Katsura Grill as well. It's it's not always the place I eat at Epcot, but especially when I was living there, I would go there frequently just for that, that ambience up, <clears throat> up at the the top of the Japan Pavilion, it's it's sort of hidden back there, and it's, um, you know, it, it's. I haven't been to Japan, unfortunately, but it's it feels like I'm in Japan when I'm when I'm back there. Um, how does the food compare to Japan, by the way? Because I know you've been several times. Uh, it's actually really good, and and things like okonomiyaki is not something that you'll normally find like at your normal you know Japanese restaurant. So I like the fact that they have some. Um, some authentic, you know, style Japanese food there too. Yeah, that's, it's high on my list for sure. But I, Boathouse and Katsura Grill, I intentionally left off. I didn't know where else you might go, but I knew those were two for sure. So I left the, I left those two off there. Um, I'm going to jump to a place that is, has some Japan overlay in some way, but not totally, but you'll have to go with me a little bit. And that's the California grill. Um, and that's of course, because of their, their hand rolled sushi sashimi that you can get to, uh, to start. But I try to go to California grill. I, I went there for the first time when I was a kid and my parents took me there probably two, three times. We would do our annual pilgrimage to Walt Disney world. And we would usually, on a couple occasions do it and a nice evening out and we'd go to California grill, but <clears throat> Going back as an adult, I try to go at least every, at least every three years as often as I can, given how frequently or infrequently I, I go to the parks. But every time I go, it reminds me why I love the restaurant so much. I know the views at Topolino have yet to get there, but are arguably better than those at California Grill. But still, the the service, the food. I love going 
I try to go early just to request a spot by the window to get that gorgeous view of the Seven Seas Lagoon and Magic Kingdom. I love the fact that if you do go for dinner, a little known fact that I don't think a lot of people realize, but the cast members often will remind guests that if they do go for dinner, you don't have to stay for four or five hours until the, you know, hopefully the fireworks come back, but until the fireworks that evening, you can leave and then, you know, come back and and uh, they'll be able to check that you had a reservation and, and go enjoy the fireworks later. But the food there, I love the black grouper and it's probably, it was a recommendation from a cast member and I'm so glad she recommended it because I, I like fish. I don't always go for fish on the menu, but something about the black grouper, I, I cleaned my plate. It was it's incre- It's such a good dish. I am craving it now. Talking about it, um, the braised beef short rib wonton appetizer is another favorite of mine. Um, even if you are speaking of uh, dessert, if you are, I love the the allergy friendly and vegan options at Disney. I'm not a vegan, but I occasionally will indulge in vegan options because they're actually very good at Disney and they have a plant-based blueberry donut dessert. That's amazing. Um, and the cast member knowing that I was a Disney fan also recommended pairing my meal with the Silverado Vineyards Cabernet, which is the, uh, the, wine that was established by Ron, Ron Miller and Diane Disney Miller and Lillian Disney. So, uh, I, I just love California grill. California grill was also on my list. Uh, believe it or not, I have not done the new brunch there. New, new, it's been there for a while, <laughs> but I haven't had a chance to, uh, to do it, but you're right between the views and the open air kitchen and the sushi and, um, uh, the, the quality of the food. I, I love, um, very, very much. Um, and I look forward to, to being able to, to head back. Um, so I'm torn. I'm torn between uh, possibly surprising you with another counter service or just going over to, ah, you know what, forget it. I'm going over to Homecoming in Disney Springs <laughs> because we mentioned brunch a couple of times. Yeah. Homecoming was an instant favorite when it opened. Um, again, not just because it's such a comfortable place. They did Chef Art Smith does an amazing job of making you feel like you've walked into a family style restaurant or sitting outside on the, the covered patio. When I first heard about it, I was like the fried chicken, the fried chicken. I'm like, I know Publix has good fried chicken too. And there's a KFC <laughs> not too far. It's amazing. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. And now sort of, I go in, I don't have to even, look at the menu because I just know that I'm getting the church devil lady deviled eggs. I'm getting the fried green tomatoes. I'm getting the hush puppies. I'm getting, you know, with, with this pimento jam, which is just outstanding and a chicken sandwich and then a hummingbird cake and probably a pecan pie. I mean, don't <laughs> judge. I'm just doing it to sort of, and then I'll, I mean, I assume other people at the table are going to get their own stuff too, but <laughs> um, I do. I love going with friends, getting a bunch of appetizers, and just enjoying um, that that Southern, not just Southern style of cooking, but that Southern hospitality um, that really sort of trickles down from Chef Art Smith all the way down through his staff as well. I think it's worth mentioning that you and I will get that many dishes just for research purposes, just to right. make sure I that enjoy we enjoy it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and brunch there is amazing. Sunday brunch is amazing. I have another place I have yet to go. If I, <clears throat> if I lived 
closer. Or our, was able list to go get, more. our list is getting longer and longer of places we have to eat when you come down. So you'd you'd be surprised how how. Uh, I think what I need to do is actually do a trip just around food. I have yet to do that, but typically I'm I'm rushing around the parks, and so we'll do one or two sit down meals for a, a you know every couple of days, and otherwise we're we're rushing from one to the next, and that's why I do have other quick service, counter service restaurants on my list. But actually, now that I'm looking at it, not too many. Uh, you mentioned Katsura Grill at Epcot. And there's another favorite of mine that's at Epcot that's counter service that I will go for breakfast, lunch, dinner, doesn't matter. And that's Sunshine Seasons at Epcot. I think part of it is nostalgic for me because I have the earliest memories of my childhood are in Epcot at the Land Pavilion. And uh, so early, in fact, that I didn't realize that my memories, I, I could have sworn that I had dreamed up something about the land, like just had these dreams as a kid. And it's hard to tell when you're, I was a toddler, like you, when you're really young, if they're <clears throat> dreams or memories. And uh, it, eventually the, the land pavilion changed and refurbished and changed the look. So I didn't recognize it when I, when I was, um, you know, as a teenager and, and as, a, as an adult. And then I saw back photos of the original Land Pavilion, and I realized that what I thought were dreams were actually memories of my young childhood being in the Land Pavilion with the fountain, and the it was more of a bluish color than the the um, you know brown and green and white colors it has now. But either way, I have always gravitated towards that pavilion as my favorite pavilion at Epcot, and especially in Future World. And the Sunshine Seasons has so much diversity of offerings for food for both breakfast, maybe not as much, but dinner, there's a lot that you can get there. All the food is so fresh. It's, I think, the predecessor to Satuli Canteen in terms of quality and the options you can get, um, given especially the price that you pay for them. Uh, I'll usually go for the oak grilled salmon or the the land crusher, which is pulled pork uh, and cheddar on Texas toast. Um, because it's the land pavilion, you got to go with a carrot cupcake for dessert or carrot cake cupcake for dessert. And I love the fact that you know you'll you'll go with on living with the land before or after or both doesn't matter and and sort of see the the food that you might potentially be eating at uh, at sunshine seasons. But it's an it's an old favorite for me that I'd be remiss if I didn't put on my list. And they have a delicious um, a, a spicy tuna noodle like bowl which is outstanding. I have yet to try that. But that sounds and amazing. This to our list too. I'm going to need a <laughs> sheet of paper. <laughs> you're going to need you're going to need a notepad to figure out <laughs> right. all the all the meals that I still need to eat there. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to um, I'm going to share what I think is overall, and I'm leaving Boathouse out of the equation because I okay. sometimes feel like I'm cheating on Boathouse when I say this, but I honestly think that the overall best dining experience from beginning to end um, is a relative newcomer and it's Takumi Te in Ooh. the Japan Pavilion. You enter through this very nondescript door on the lower right-hand portion next to Mitsukoshi and from the second you approach, your experience begins. You walk in that door, you forget that you're in Epcot and as a lot of what having been to Japan a couple of times, there is a, a certain show element to your meal 
and they literally almost tour you through the restaurant and the meaning behind everything you see in these different themed, you know, earth, air, fire, water, wood rooms. And from the presentation of the menu to your meal, to the tea service, if you do it, to even the cocktails that are in there. Uh, I've been twice. I have been blown away by the quality of not just the service and the presentation, but some of the best food overall. And the reason why I, I put it over a place, not to potentially spoil your list, but a, a, a potential place like Victorian Alberts, which to me is a sort of a once in a lifetime, once in a very special, very, very special occasion thing. You can go to Takumi Te more than once. You know, you can go every month, every couple of months, have a different meal um, and a remarkable, remarkable experience. Um, they have whether you be a seafood person or if you're they have a oh god I'm so hung i'm famished right now this was so mean of you to do this is a they bad have, time of day to do this <laughs> they have a um a, a one of the courses where they'll give you um sort of the the prime cut of american beef on the same plate as an a5 wagyu beef Oh. So you can almost sort of compare and contrast. Yeah. I'm not saying which one is better, but it includes the number and letter A and five. <laughs> um, but yeah, out, outstanding, outstanding um, overall dining experience and meal. I have a friend who's done a lot of international travel and says that's one of his favorite places that he's been. Just the quality of the food, everything said about the experience, the presentation. That's <clears throat> another place you can add to my list of places that I need to go to. And you forget but. that you're in Epcot. Like, that's the thing. And I think if you time your meal appropriately, right? Because it is. It's a long, sort of slow meal. Do one of the later seatings. You know, you can book any time. But, you know, right. book a 7, 8 <clears throat> o'clock. This way, when you come out, you have the entire promenade to yourself because Epcot's closed. And you take this sort of long, meandering way back or waddle, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> back to your car or your hotel. Um, and it really makes for a beautiful evening. Uh, that's one of my favorite strategies is eating late <laughs> for that for that exact reason. Um, but I I definitely it's it's high on my list of, of places to get back to along with everything else we've talked about so far. Uh, the the speaking of that actually particular friend because he has another thing he loves that's on my list that um so he loves he loves uh, what you just mentioned and the other thing that he loves is over at you mentioned this over in your your uh your recent episode your review of riviera resort that some people consider grandestino tower to be a new resort i consider it to be a new resort even though it's part of disney's coronado springs it's totally changed my whole perception of that resort i stay there before grandestino tower grandestino tower just adds such a new dimension and vibe to the resort plus all the refurbishments they've done and one of the things that i love most about grandesino tower is toledo um <clears throat> we've now you can tell there's a couple places we like to go on repeat if if we enjoy it and toledo is one of them we've now been twice and i know it's only been open for a couple of years given how frequently we're able to go it's it's uh quite a bit but their quality their service the views up there you don't get quite the full 360 degree view that you might get at other resorts like at uh topolino's views or at california grill of course has the, the definitely the views on all sides but um <clears throat> the 
the presentation even of just I knew we were in a treat in for a treat when we got the menu and saw the way that the menu was its own had its own character and personality. It was not a traditional folding menu, but sort of these little uh, mini booklets that are attached to a board. And it just added a whole dimension of thinking about what you were going to eat that day. Of course, they have a lot of tapas being a, you know, sort of themed around Spanish cuisine, but the, uh, the cheese vertical we have gotten as an appetizer, which is delicious. The, uh, chorizo is amazing. The pan con tomate, which is basically just you know, it would otherwise just be crushed tomato over grilled bread, but something about it there is amazing. Uh, I'd talked earlier about vegan options being sometimes some of the best options. And it, this is coming from someone who's not a vegan, but my wife got the plant-based seafood, which is essentially, it looks exactly like crab cakes, calamari, and scallops, but it's all made from vegetable-based. I think a lot of it is based with um, mushroom, artichoke hearts, whatever it is, is delicious. Um, my friend who I mentioned in particular, who's been all over the world, has said that the uh, red wine braised chicken, which I actually got there as a meal once, was some of the best chicken he's ever had mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, and it's truly delicious. Another example of a me cleaning my plate. It's just amazing food. Um, you can get amazing sides, Brussels sprouts, the roasted cauliflower, um, the Toledo tapas bar to cap it off for dessert. Their wine list is extensive. It's an experience to go there. Plus, if you go early, you can go to the Dahlia Lounge and enjoy some views of Expedition Everest and Animal Kingdom and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's high on my list for new restaurants at Disney. Yeah, Toledo was on my list too. And because you don't hear a lot of people going, oh, you have to go to this restaurant and try the chicken. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, unless it's like fried chicken, right? But right. that is like, it's like a signature meal there because it is it is that good. And I'm and I'm with you in terms of, of Dahlia Lounge. I think Dahlia, uh, among a few others, could almost make this list in terms of places to go for their bar menus alone. Um, yeah. I think there, I think Nomad Lounge, is um is another one i think there's a few others that you can sort of make a meal um three bridges um also at grand destino is another place you could make a meal out of just the lounge menu itself yeah you can go to uh, coronado springs i think now probably i didn't i haven't done the math but i think it has more restaurants and lounges than any other resort on property it, it, it might you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's it's got a, a number of restaurants and lounges <laughs> Well, plus, you you know, because you are sort of attached to um, um, Coronado, you know, you walk over and you've got the market there and you've got right. my grill. You've got a couple other um, options as well. Um, I was trying to think of one that's that's slightly off the beaten path and, and slightly off the radar. And I'll I'll give you one that for a long time was my favorite restaurant in Walt Disney World, period. Then I met the boathouse. This restaurant and I broke up, but we still have a relationship <laughs> on the side. Like we still have this thing. Um, and for a long time, Todd English's Blue Zoo, oh. which is over at the Dolphin, was my favorite. And I think the Swan and Dolphin do not get enough love in terms of 
the quantity and quality of the restaurants. There's a Shula Steakhouse. I think the best Italian food on property is at Il Molino, which is there. Um, the Fountain has one of the best burgers on property. But Blue Zoo is a Todd English restaurant with, again, exceptional service, super fresh menu that changes seasonally. And I kid you not, when I tasted the miso glazed Miro for the first time, I there was angels singing inside <laughs> of Blue Zoo because it was that good. And it was my favorite thing ever until they introduced me to the Cantonese lobster, which is a whole lobster. And I'm getting excited. They no, no, take please. the they take the meat out of the lobster and they lightly fry it in some sort of a magical potion. They put it back into the lobster over a bed of jasmine rice, and it is just to die for. I haven't been there in years, but I know it's top quality. My family and I once did Thanksgiving dinner at, I can't remember which restaurant. I think it was the Harvest. I've forgotten trying to remember the name of the restaurant. Oh, I the haven't. Garden, was the Garden Grove? Yes. yes, Garden Grove. Thank you. That's um. We did Thanksgiving dinner one, there once, and mm. it was excellent. It was not the traditional, you know, sit at home and and have the the full turkey and the all the sides, but it was it was delicious, and I I definitely <clears throat> try to get over to Swan and Dolphin as often as I can. If I'm, I naturally gravitate, I think most of the time towards towards the boardwalk. So it's just yeah. a few steps beyond that. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I have missed. You brought up something that was on my list, but you didn't fully talk about it, and that's Nomad Lounge. And that's become one of my favorite places. I have a lot of favorite places at Animal Kingdom, but <laughs> the um, and, and in general. But the <laughs> uh, Nomad Lounge is. I've been to both uh, Nomad Lounge and Tiffins, and I arguably like Nomad Lounge more, which might be a, a sin to say, but I like the fact that you don't need a reservation because you can easily go there, at, especially off peak times if you go three four o'clock in the middle of the day if you just want for me especially if you go in the summer and you're spending the full day at animal kingdom and you're outside for a majority of the day you can take a little even if you're out on the patio it's a little cooler just a little siesta in the middle of the day and go enjoy nomad lounge i love the backstory of nomad lounge and all the little trinkets uh, i mean the imagineer podcast i love anything with imagineering so all the little touches in there um you know, you could spend, I, I still haven't seen it all. There's just so many uh, trinkets from and, and references to all the travels that inspired Animal Kingdom, plus the food and the the drink options there. I remember one day I even got, I, I was feeling a little under the weather, but just powering through Animal Kingdom and I uh, uh, tried to get tea and their tea options are incredible. Um, just that alone. Like when you go to a restaurant, usually you get tea and it's, do you want English tea? Do you want green tea? Do you want chamomile? But they had an incredible selection of teas there. Uh, but the I don't think it's... I just checked the menu recently, and I don't think it's on there this year, but I went back multiple times for the Wagyu beef sliders. I think now they're the impossible sliders, but uh, with the tomato pear jam and the yuca fries, I could order three of those. Just absolutely incredible. Um, small plate, It's you can either you know, share a few of them or, or just have, like I said, three to yourself. Um, we also got in the past, the Russell Brussels sprouts enhancements, uh, which was also delicious. Love roasted Brussels sprouts and their drink menu. Obviously it is a lounge. They have a great drink menu. I don't always, especially on a park day, I'm not one to get a cocktail. Even if, you know, <clears throat> the restaurants we mentioned, I'll 
at most get like a glass of wine. But the Balinese Breeze is a mountain berry tea with simple syrup and lemon juice. And it's just so, especially on a hot day, so refreshing. Um, it's like the perfect rest stop, enjoy some food and drink mm-hmm. at Animal Kingdom. And if you're fortunate enough to get one of the very, very comfortable chairs outside where you're overlooking the the river, you've got the bridge to Pandora right there, the sounds, the breeze, the the shade um, really, <laughs> really makes for it. That was actually one of my favorite dining reviews that I've ever done. Um, and the menu does sometimes change. I know, yeah. um, you know, especially during COVID, some things got sort of taken off, I think, temporarily. And I look forward to going back when the full menu returns. Yeah. So how many do you have left that I haven't stolen from you or that you haven't covered? I mean, listen, I could pretty much mention every restaurant <laughs> on property and and be perfectly fine. Um, what are your let's go with your what are your last two that you you haven't mentioned yet? Sort of a runner up and uh, a final a final one. So, gosh, like I feel like when I leave somebody out, like I feel like I'm I'm doing them a disservice. Um, all right, so I'll give you, you know what, I'll give you a a an honorable mention quick service and honorable mention counter service. So I think Disney Springs for me being a local is like my fifth park. I spend more time there than I do, and I think there's sort of like well, I used to sort of call it like the Holy Trinity. Now it's like the Holy Quadrant of <laughs> Boathouse, um, Raglan Road. I think Wine Bar George is in there now, too. Yeah. I think Jock Lindsay's has a great lounge menu. And I love Morimoto Asia. Um, I could just spend my entire time in that in that little section <laughs> that right square, there. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first went there, people were like, oh, you got to try the ribs. I'm like, come on. I'm from Jersey. I've had good Chinese food. I know what ribs taste like. <laughs> They're they're unlike anything I've ever had anywhere else. Um, and also in terms of uh, counter service location, I love, love, love Tangerine Cafe in Morocco. I think it has some of not just the best and freshest and lightest food. It's also, I think, one of the best values on property. I like to call it the Avengers platter because I get the shawarma platter <laughs> with the different types of shawarma on it. And Perfect. then you get um, a little Moroccan mint tea. <clears throat> get a little baklava just to sort of round out the meal. And, you know, it probably cost you for lunch, you know, $17, $20, somewhere around there. Morocco Pavilion in general is very underrated for food. Yeah. Great answers, though, um, for sure. I am going to go to, we have not, I don't think, really mentioned, I think we did talk about a buffet at least once with um, Topolino breakfast, but... <clears throat> One of my favorites for breakfast is Ohana. Um, the dinner there is also great. Um, I can't can't uh, put down the the quality of their their dinners, but their breakfast. We again, we a place we've gone multiple times from the the fresh breakfast bread. You know, you get that with Kona coffee, Pog juice, just to start you off right away, and then the family style plate between the, you know, it's, it's mostly simple food, but you know, it's scrambled eggs and, and fried potatoes, but it's the spices they use and the sort of Hawaiian influences that they, they infuse into the dishes that are a great way to start the day. Definitely fills you up. Um, you get his top <clears throat> right on the monorail from there and, and head over to, to the magic kingdom or to Epcot or wherever else you're headed. Um, I left out. I left out quite a bit, but I think uh, for my 
like I have, I'm, I'm going to do what you normally do. Um, I have Grand Floridian Cafe on here. That's another one that I love. Um, I also love Boma, uh, both for breakfast and for dinner. Another another great uh, place to eat. Um, I'll go with, you know, another, I'll actually go with another counter service. It's, it's surprising and maybe not too surprising, actually, how many counter services we've mentioned, but uh, Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo as a Star Wars fan, a fan of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, period. Um, I could spend an entire day in Galaxy's Edge. The quality of the food, again, is an example of how Disney is bringing counter service to the next level. If there is a long line, mobile ordering is such a great way to go. The ambience, just like with Satuli Canteen, it's makes you feel like, even if you're sitting in the courtyard, which I like to do, it still feels like because you're in the middle of Batu, it's it feels like you're in the middle of a Star Wars movie and you can totally transport yourself between... Actually, I think it's better to sit outside because you still have the ambient sounds of the ships flying overhead and the the Black Spire outpost uh, citizens conversing. And it's just... A, and you occasionally see stormtroopers pass by or, or you know Kylo Ren. It's just a, a great place to eat. But the Batuan beef pot roast is incredible. It's like Satuli Canteen just restaurant quality food, but it's a quick service, counter service place to eat at, at Hollywood studios. Um, but you know, the, the quality of the pot roast is delicious. It comes with the cavatelli pasta. Um, it's just a, a great dish. I also love the, you talked about fried chicken, the, uh, fried chicken tip. Yep. It's great there too. Uh, the Batu Ban as a dessert, you can get move juice. You can get a, a lot of great food. So I had to, because I love Galaxy's Edge, I couldn't leave Galaxy's Edge out. I, honestly, Ronto Roasters would be high on the list. I was going to say, I, I will see your <laughs> ducking bay and I will raise you a Ronto. I'm not saying that I've ever made a trip to Hollywood Studios just to get a Ronto Roasters, because that would be ridiculous, but I may have done that before. Have you gotten the breakfast Ronto wraps before? Look at my physique. Does it look like I have? Does it look like <laughs> How, rephrase how do you feel about the the breakfast <laughs> ronto wraps? i love it man i yeah. i do um and i love you know especially something like that it's a nice quick sort of grab and go type of thing um just like over at woody's lunchbox same thing too you know we haven't if you think about it, we haven't really talked about a lot over at studios but i think True. woody's lunchbox has great breakfast and those tachos um for afternoon and do you notice i don't think that either of us I don't think anybody mentioned anything in Magic Kingdom. I, you know, I had one on my <laughs> list. We counter service traditionally. My family always went to Columbia Harbor House. I mm. love sitting on the second floor, overlooking down at Liberty Square. Such a quiet spot. Um, but I love, and I think maybe you do too. Skipper Canteen. That was actually one I had on my list. Yeah, how did I forget Skipper Canteen? <laughs> Um, yeah, my go-to for Skipper Canteen is the, uh, Perkins Thai noodles. Yeah. It's got the, the just a, a hint of a kick of spice. It's not, if you don't like spicy food, it's not overpowering, but if you do like spicy food, it's just enough to give you a little kick. Um, the flavors, I mean, the, it's a jungle cruise themed restaurant. What's not to love? <laughs> well, plus, in addition to how good the food is, again, you forget that you're in Magic Kingdom. And again, yeah. I think because we are alike in other ways, too, not just our love of food, but in terms of storyline and the SEA and all of the nods to Imagineers and Imagineering and, and the the incredible SEA backstory that's that's tied to that. Again, that raises 
skipper canteen even higher just based on the food quality alone yeah for sure and for anyone who is listening because we've talked about food on the show before i think not that not as many times as we should have but <laughs> i you know i i because of the podcast name i tend to focus a little bit more on the attractions than i do on the food but uh, I definitely recommend anyone listening, if you haven't gone back and listened to the extensive library of food episodes for WW Radio, <laughs> the live restaurant reviews are in particular my favorite. I, It's amazing how you can be sitting at home listening to people at a restaurant eating and talking about food. And one, you make it feel like we're right there at the table with you. And two... I don't know how you make it so entertaining to just literally hear somebody. The equivalent of it is if you were at somebody's house, sitting on the side of the table, not allowed to eat anything, just sitting there and listening to people talking about how great the food is. But I love those episodes. Well, next time you come down, we'll have to pick a restaurant and we'll do a uh, we'll do a food we'll do a dining review. Oh, yes, please. I love love the restaurants down there, and clearly I have so many left to go to, but. Before we go, I definitely want to give you the chance to one plug your book and where people can go to buy it, and two anything else you want to plug for the show for lumangelo.com. I mean, I could plug it for you, but you can whatever whatever you want to share with the listeners. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. I, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity and the great conversation. Uh, I won't bore you. I'm not. I always feel weird, like plugging stuff, but you can find <laughs> everything I do, um, including the podcast, et cetera, at www.radio.com. I also do a live broadcast uh, on Facebook every Wednesday night. Um, there you can also find my Disney interviews book, uh, which has a dozen interviews with uh, Disney legends who um, worked with the new Walt Disney and helped preserve his legacy. Uh, you can find that on the site as well as at amazon.com and everything else I do sort of on the business side and speaking and coaching side is at lumangelo.com and I am at lumangelo on all social. All the links to that will be in the show notes. I'm sure in the close of this podcast episode, you'll hear me retell all those places to go back and listen to it again. But um, <clears throat> Lou, I think that 10 years ago, if you had told me as a listener listening to you that I would one day have you as a guest on my own podcast, I would have told you you're crazy. But this has been a real pleasure and an honor. So thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to come onto the show and having such a, a fun Disney conversation with me. No, it's been my honor, man. And I and I sincerely appreciate it. Um, I applaud you for all that you've done so far and know that you've got many, many years of, of great stuff and the best is yet to come. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And with that, we close out episode 94 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to sincerely give a special thanks to Lou for taking the time to come on to the Imagineer podcast. As I mentioned earlier and in the intro and through my conversation with him, I've been such a fan of his show, of his show for the last 10 years. So it was truly an honor to get the chance to chat with him one on one and not only talk with Lou directly, but also talk about a subject I know that he loves and I love, which is food at Walt Disney World. Of course, I want to turn the conversation over to you and hear your thoughts on what meals we left out. What is your favorite meal at Walt Disney World? You can reach out to me in so many different ways. You can, of course, reach out on social media through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast. 
on Twitter at Imagineer News. You can also send me an email at ImagineerPodcast at gmail.com. And I would encourage you to follow all those social media channels I mentioned earlier. You can also join our Facebook group called The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, to chat not just with me, but with other members of this listener community about the best meals at Walt Disney World and so many other Disney topics. Of course, I would also encourage you to go ahead and check out the WDW Radio Show, which you can learn more about by going to wdwradio.com. You can also learn more about Lou's coaching opportunities and uh, mentorships opportunities and so much more by going to loumangelo.com. Plus, I will include a link to all those places as well as the link to his new book, The Disney Interviews Volume 1. I read it cover to cover. Amazing book. Definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, And again, I will include the link to that, but I know you can also find it over at wdwradio.com. If you don't already, subscribe to the show. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. Whether you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcast app, which will ensure that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. Plus, I want to thank the more than 425 of you, almost 450 of you, for leaving us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. We've maintained a five-star rating, which is incredible and so humbling. If you haven't yet taken the time to rate and review the show, of course, if you love Imagine Your Podcast, I would encourage you to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store or even on Facebook, which really does a lot to help this community out. And of course, the best thing you could do for the podcast is very, very simple. Just go ahead and share out this episode in particular, especially because it has Lou Mangella or any other podcast of the show or your favorite post on social media or just tag us on social media, whatever you prefer. Even if you just talk about Imagine Your Podcast with your friends, it always does a lot to help this community continue to grow and introduces other folks who might love all things Disney to a podcast they might enjoy, which is the Imagine Your Podcast. If you want to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast to the next level, be sure Sure to check out our Patreon group over at patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And of course, I have a link in the show notes below or at our website, ImagineerPodcast.com. But Imagineer Society at patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast is a way that you can help to support the show financially. And in return, you get extra special perks, benefits, and rewards. And I believe that anybody who contributes at any level, starting at just $1 a month, which is even the minimum I can put into Patreon, uh, deserves benefits in return. So no matter your level of membership, you get perks and benefits. Things like access to a private Facebook group that's just for our members, my close friends list on Instagram. We do virtual monthly events. I've tried as much as I can and often do even more than that. We've done Disney Plus watch parties, and that's all just at the $1 contract level. Of course, the more you're able to contribute, you can also get benefits like early access to every podcast episode, bonus podcast episodes just for members, and so much more. You can learn all about the current perks and benefits being offered, which are subject to change by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. I would also encourage you to check out our partners. First, check out The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com or The Kingdom Insider on any social media channel to get the latest news and updates about everything happening at Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, and all Disney destinations, plus ways you can help to bring the magic of Disney into your own home. While my social media page typically covers more of that uh, evergreen content, some information and history about Disney, the Kingdom Insider covers everything up to date and relevant about what's happening at 
Disney today. So it's a great power combo for history and facts and details, plus the latest news and updates. So again, check them out over at thekingdominsider.com or The Kingdom Insider on any social media channel. And when you're ready to book your next trip, to any Disney destination, whether it's Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Adventures by Disney, or any other destination around the world, check out our travel partner, which is Academy Travel, and more specifically, Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel. They have been helping to plan vacations for more than 25 years and are diamond earmarked. That is the highest level of distinction that Disney awards travel agencies. They can help you to plan out every detail of your Disney vacation, do it with some incredible service, and more importantly, do it at no additional cost to you. They can even help you to save money because they are aware of all the eligible per, uh, discounts that are available at all these Disney destinations. So you can check them out and request a free quote. Uh, no obligation, by the way, just by clicking on the links in the show notes below or heading to imagineyourpodcast.com. Click on the travel drop down and then select your destination. If you fill out that form, they will get back to you as soon as possible with that free quote. Again, no obligation. Last but not least, I want to encourage you as always to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever they might be. This is, of course, the first episode of 2021. I'm hoping this is going to be the best year ever. And I encourage you to think about what it is that you want to do that truly makes you happy. That first step is the most important step to making your dreams come true. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Sounds pretty good. In fact, that's just the right spirit.